water with a great white shark or a crocodile, which would you choose? You know, when Marshall and I talked about it earlier, it was being in a cage. And he was like, would you rather be in a shark cage or one of those plexiglass ones? But, like, they do the tubes, I guess, for mm-hmm. crocodiles. I was like, crocodile. Yeah, that would feel, definitely feel safer. Yeah, because, you know, they're only as strong as our bite. And if they can't get around it, yeah. I feel very safe. If it's not a big fucking cube and they can't get, like, a good chomp, I'd be happy. Although they do have a little, like... You can watch out for those little things. Like, if it was, like, a shark tank and had that same window, I'd be very concerned if it was a crocodile. Climb in. Yeah, but if you were in the open water with a shark yeah, or a crocodile. Yeah, that's, yeah, crocodile. You take a crocodile over a shark? Oh, open water. Yeah. I think I'd take a, I think, God. Would you take a shark? I don't fucking know. But to be in the water with a crocodile is arguably, like, the worst thing. I would probably take shark. Probably take shark. Open water, I'd probably take a shark. Because you're not necessarily going to get eaten by a shark. Yeah. Crocodile, crocodile will kill you. Crocodile will fucking kill you. Because I feel like there are those mammals, you know? Like, the, with the leggies and shit, like, they know that you're there. Whereas, like, if a shark misses... It's not a mammal, it's a reptile, but whatever. Welcome! God damn it. To the Johnny Jaws cast, where science takes precedent. I hate my job. Shark too. I'm upset about it now, but I'll take shark, I guess, because I feel stupid. <laughs> Everybody wins. I think what gets me is like with the cage option, I would take crocodile. Yeah. Because I don't like the idea of the way great whites hit from the bottom. Yeah. I feel very it's unsafe. Scares me. Well, we're not talking about great whites tonight. We are talking about giant killer mako sharks <laughs> with brains the size of what's it i don't know thomas jane's uh, big v, oh, brass flat, balls no uh they were a brains v8 the size and, of a flat flathead v8 yeah and they were eight thousand pounds eight thousand pounds that's what mr samuel jackson that's a lot of numbers to throw around mm-hmm. anyways welcome back to the johnny jaws cast folks i am your host Johnny Horror Maresco with me is Brian Calvert. Oh, shut the fuck up! Like the little horns that they play at the, the soccer, the soccer yeah. fields. Yep. And uh, we are continuing our discussion of the one, the only Deep Blue Sea. Uh, yeah. 
Yes. Um, now, if for some reason you haven't listened to our first episode on Deep Blue Sea and you're like, well, I thought this was the Johnny Jaws cast, well, we're talking about sharks, man. I don't know what the fuck you want. Uh, you want a podcast that uh, plays by the rules? This sure ain't Fuck fucking off. it. Yep. Yeah. Kick rocks. Because <laughs> hit the bricks. We do whatever the fuck we want. Ain't that the fucking truth, motherfuckers. So, woo! on our last episode, we talked about our feelings about the film. <laughs> what we liked, what we disliked. <laughs> uh, some of our random thoughts. And we kind of touched on the special effects as well. Uh, this episode, we are going to be covering the production production of the film what went into getting this film made yeah baby and um some of the performances and uh whatnot so rolling right on in um wasting no time whatsoever we're just gonna we're gonna god i wish i had a better phrase than dive on in i know but yeah it's all i ever want to fucking yeah. say um, and I blame American Dad. Yeah. Um, so yeah. uh, I feel like I should add a, a link. You should to the American oh, it's Dad so episode. Good. It's so good. Um, Fucking Roger kills me. God, that might it's one be, of his best episodes. That might be our favorite cartoon. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, our shared favorite. Dive cartoon. on in. Uh, dive on in. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, for lack of a better phrase, and uh, 100% all the puns intended, we're going to yep. dive on into the <laughs> development of the film. So, this is all going to be taken from Wikipedia, so we got to thank everyone who has contributed to the Wikipedia page for Deep Blue Sea. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. We could not have done it without you. I mean, we probably could have, but it would have been a lot of research and a lot of time, and... Um, Nobody got time for that shit. And we both have lives and we don't get paid for this. So, here we go. Yeah. So, the story of Deep Blue Sea was conceived by an Australian screenwriter, Duncan Kennedy, after he witnessed the result of a horrific shark attack on the beach near his home. The tragedy contributed to a reoccurring nightmare of him being in a passageway with sharks that could read his mind. Yeah, that'll fucking do it. Um, this motivated him to write a spec script while acknowledging the challenge of approaching a shark film without repeating Steven Spielberg's Jaws. What? Uh -huh. There it is! <laughs> Tying right back into the Johnny Jaws cast, folks! You're welcome. Oh! See, you're here for a reason. Shit. Oh Every, my god. Everybody wins. People fucking doubted us. <laughs> you sacks of shit. Yeah. Although Warner Brothers <laughs> bought the script in late 1994, Jesus fucking Christ, actual development on the project did not start until two years later, when Rennie Harlan, our boy Rennie Harlan, of whoop, 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 Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Die Hard 2, yes, and Cliffhanger fame, was chosen to direct the film. Kennedy's screenplay, which had already been rewritten by several writers at Warner Brothers, was presented to Donna Powers and Wayne Powers. My God, so weird. I dated a girl whose dad was named Wayne Powers. Odds are it's not the same guy. Um, we'll never know. <laughs> I, have a, I have a hefty 
have some feeling that call they, her up right now. It's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who turned in the film's final script? According to Wayne, the movie became essentially what we wrote. The draft we were first presented by Warner Brothers was much more of a military espionage, high tech action movie, wow. grenade launchers, that kind of thing. We wanted our team to include more blue collar types and to not have weapons to fight back, to play it more as a horror film. Okay. Deep Blue Sea had a budget of $82 million and represented a test for Harlan, who had not made a commercially se- successful film since Cliffhanger in 1993. Harlan's main goal was to bring the horror genre back to serious and high-budget production values of films like The Exorcist, Jaws, The Shining, as opposed to tongue-in-cheek style subsequent films of the genre. Excuse me. Ridley Scott's 1979 film Alien was an influence on the casting process as Harlan wanted to cast characters in a way to make it impossible for the audience to know who was going to die or survive. To achieve this, he combined combined a relatively unknown actors who could deliver solid performances and meet the physical demands of diving and stunts a star Academy Award nominee, Samuel L. Jackson, who anchors the whole piece, in quotation marks. Harlan forced, also forced the studio into hiring rapper LL Cool J because he wanted a character who could bring a lot of warmth and humor to the film without feeling, without it being a joke-type humor. So, I mean, sounds pretty standard for Hollywood-type yeah. stuff. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, Especially in the '90s, like yeah, bringing in like people like LL Cool J, like I feel like that was the thing. Like it was a good like comedic response to a lot of roles. Well, there's also just the particularly I feel like the '90s is the time when when rappers specifically. Yep. Because early '90s, you if you think about it, you have rap as really something that a lot of America is pushing against. If you mm-hmm. look at something like NWA mm-hmm. and all the quote-unquote um, violence that the the whole of America attributes to that music during that time period. Okay, yeah. Um, with gangster rap and stuff like that, a lot of America pushes back against yeah. that type of music. Considers it bad. Considers it right. Um, you know, in, inappropriate, bad influence. Yeah. And then you have these guys who kind of dabble in like the the rapper genre, but are maybe a little bit more, you know, a little, little bit more flexible in. And not um, necessarily associated with outright gangster rap, and they start breaking into show business. Yep. Um, I think um, the first thing that LL Cool J did was actually Halloween H two O, and he's great in that. It is that same type of role. Yeah. Where you're like. What the fuck is this asshole doing in this yeah. movie? It's more so in <laughs> H2O where like his character has zero bearing on the actual yeah. like events of the film. But 
you know, it's interesting because I say all that stuff about NWA, but one of the lead members, Ice Cube, ends up getting into show business and becoming a superstar yeah. via, um, you know, comedy movies and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so it's very interesting to have, you know, LL Cool J in this film, in this role, because he does burn pretty hot for the next couple of years with this yeah. movie. Uh, he's in SWAT, and I think he's in oh, a, couple, right. a couple of other movies as well. But I think I think that the height is Deep Blue Sea and SWAT. For I sure. love SWAT. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. Also starring our boy Sam Jackson. Yep. Um, but yeah, I uh, I like the the Rennie Harlan approach because I I do feel he's not wrong in that regard. Oh, yeah. In which that there's you don't really know because again, and we'll we'll. we'll touch on this more later but our main character is very unlikable yep susan is our main character she is our lead and at least for a while yeah and even thomas jane is the action hero but he never never does he feel like he is the lead in this movie not like in control yeah yeah by no means so yeah, that's 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 a very uh, I like that approach, and I yeah. I do feel, I mean, jump in here if you you disagree with this at all, but I do feel that uh, that he achieved that that goal that you don't really know who's gonna live and who's gonna die in this movie. Yeah, no, I, that's super accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's like Thomas James. Like everyone just kind of feels like they're along for the ride, yeah. which is cool, yeah. and I'm into it. Yeah, especially with. Who's who? The way they pull, you know, he's a parolee, he's a convict, he's just there, you know, yeah. like, under the radar, for lack of better terms, and she's kind of the bad guy, and LL Cool J's, you know, the chef, and whatnot, yeah, it, you know, everyone's fair game. Yeah, really, really It's are. really what it, the way it pulls it, especially when the deaths start yeah. coming into play, You're like, okay! And I mean, Sam, Sam Jackson, you've seen Alien, right? Have you mm-hmm. seen Alien? Mm-hmm. So... I don't know when the last time you saw it was, but the 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 captain of that movie is played by Tom Skerritt, okay. who was the biggest actor in that film at the time, and he plays the captain. So right. the assumption was is that he is going to be the hero, okay. and then he dies three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they do that with Sam Jackson in this, because yep. he's the biggest name. Yep. He's clearly, clearly the one who's taking charge. Yep. Especially in his death scene. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I do feel like that that is achieved. And that's that's cool to kind of know that that was what the background behind the the casting process was. Is that they they really wanted to mix it up. Makes me appreciate his death a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Like, all right, yeah, the shock value, you know, that's what they were going for. Obviously, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it had some weight behind it. I'm Mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, All right, so let's talk about the filming here. Principal, this is this is a big fucking goddamn <laughs> novella oh here. My God. uh, principal photography for uh, Deep Blue Sea began on August third, nineteen ninety eight. Seven years old at the time. Uh, most of the film was shot at 
Fox, Baja Studios, and Rosarito, Mexico, where the production team had constructed sets above the large water tanks that had been built for James Cameron's 1997 Titanic. <laughs> uh, some of the film sets were designed so that they could be submerged, while others were built on sound stages with fish tanks used as windows. At Fox Baja Studios, the cast worked with sharks that were either animatronic or computer-generated. As the shark used in Jaws was 25 feet in length, Carlin decided to increase his animatronic shark to 26 feet. Jackson recalled, when they first brought it into the lab, we were all in awe at the size of the machine. It was a real monster. I could walk up to it slowly and touch it, and they said it felt like a real shark. The gills moved and it had a mind of its own sometimes. As an added homage to Jaws, the license plate pulled from the shark's teeth by Carter is the same plate found in the tiger shark's carcass from Spielberg's film. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Bringing it back to Jaws. I like it. Bringing it back to Jaws. Here we go. <clears throat> After the shoot at Fox Baja Studios wrapped, Harlan insisted the team go to the Bahamas to shoot with real sharks. Recounting his experience there, actor Thomas Jane, who played shark wrangler Carter, said, The first day I was in a cage, but the next day they swam me 30 feet they swam me 30 feet down then this guy yanks the breather off of me and the water's churning with blood and guts and stuff it was so terrifying i don't want to remember it jesus what the fuck why would they do that i don't know it's so aggressive it's terrifying <laughs> the idea was to mix footage of real sharks with animatronic and computer generated Sharks to ensure the seamless transition between all of them. The distinguished deep blue sea from Jaws, where the sharks were frequently hidden, uh, where the shark is frequently hidden, Harlan decided to show theirs more prominently because he felt that the audience expectations had changed since then. Um, the scene where the cast is trying to get back to the elevator after hooking up. Stellan Skarsgård to the helicopter is actually an accident that made it into the finished film. As Jackson explained, at one point, three tons of water got thrown on us by accident and we got swept towards the cargo bays and everyone thought we were going into the drink and people were tumbling around this metal grating. We scrambled and kept acting. That was not supposed to happen and we didn't have safety harnesses on. God. And we were filming... And we were flailing around this dock, um, this deck, excuse me. Jackson was initially offered the role played by LL Cool J, but his management team did not like the idea of him playing a chef. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, Harlan created the role of Russell Franklin for him. Additionally, LL Cool J's character was supposed to die early on, but the director ultimately decided to keep him. The production team could not afford to have a fully trained parrot, so LL Cool J's character for LL Cool J's character, so they used two parrots. One was good at flying, and another could sit on his shoulder. <laughs> Dope. Sounds about right. The film's ending was changed shortly before its theatrical release. Originally, Burroughs' character would escape the shark-infested water and live. 
However, test audiences who saw the film less than the month before its release disapproved of the ending because she was behind the shark's experiments and was seen as the film's villain. As a result, the production team did a one-day reshoot in the Universal Studios tank and did some computer-generated work on the sharks to change it. In 2009, Harlan explained that Deep Blue Sea was the hardest film he ever made because most of the shooting days involved teams standing in water or being underwater for long periods. According to him, just the... Hold on, here we go. Just the practicality of putting the wetsuit on in the morning, being in the water all day, your script, all your paperwork has to be made in plastic paper. And then things you wouldn't think of would ever float. They float. Or then things you hope would float actually sink and you can't find them anywhere. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Disaster. <laughs> now, right here next to uh, this uh, fucking Stephen King novel I just read out loud <laughs> um, is a picture of um, the character of Susan kissing the character of Carter. And it says a deleted scene from the film's ending. Oh, wow. So, uh, two people that I would say have zero chemistry yeah. whatsoever. End up, end up kissing at the end of the movie and thank god that that was deleted it is i would say that it is such a fucking bonkers death scene for her yeah. such a random like out of the blue yep why do you do that it works for the movie it absolutely works for the movie because the movie takes so many weird twists and yeah. turns you're like, sure. Yeah. Why the fuck not? Exactly. And it's so weird to have like two guys just sitting on a yeah, deck. That's weird. It's just such a weird Especially fucking for thing. like this type of action movie. Yeah, there's there's no reason that the, like in in But she's the bad guy. I cannot think of any other type of movie like this where yep. the the female lead yeah. dies at the end of the movie. Right. And it's still a happy ending. You yeah. Know? It definitely, like, uh, I mean, I get it. You know, they did it in one fell swoop, what, a day? Yeah. They were like, we're going to reshoot it. We have a day. Ready yeah. to go. And they just made it work, which doesn't seem like they needed even a day to do it. 90% of her death is CGI anyways. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. They could have sold it in a different way. If they really wanted her to live and to have that type of ending with them freaking macking it at the very well, end. Well, I they think could've... that's that is what they chose, but the audience was like, you know what? No, fuck, Ouch. fuck this gal. Yeah, she's uh, she's a villain. Yeah, she's no good. And there's no, she has zero likability in the entire she, movie. She, she so. has zero likability. She doesn't. She doesn't even like have an arc. You know, <laughs> she doesn't really get any better. Yeah, she's just an asshole. Her the whole research time. gets destroyed, so she's kind of yeah bummed out after that you know that's, yeah. that's basically what it comes to she never i never look at she never has that moment of oh. i fucked up yeah. she never has that Redemption. john hammond moment in jurassic nope. park where ellen grant's like i've decided not to endorse your park and you know john hammond's like yeah so have i like yeah 
never has no remorse. Yeah, zero remorse. She never has remorse. She's constantly like, no, we've done it. We did it right. This is just a mistake, but everything else is right. Yeah, and I mean, even her line that that stuck out to me, the, uh, uh, when they're talking about, like, People look like LL Cool J is like, you know, people are dying everywhere. And she's like, yeah, well, if, without that research, people, all the people dying isn't just tragic. It's useless. You're like, all right. Yeah, you don't give a shit. Yeah. Okay. You're going to get eaten now. But uh, since we're already kind of, we're already kind of delving into yep. this specific character. Yep. Um, I feel like, Brian, you could probably uh, take it away and... Um, Start start leading us off on some some of our our characters that we find in this film. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like that there's the whole relationship between uh, Janice and Jim, even though apparently they don't have the same last name, so they're just like in it just to be you know in it. Well, before we before we jump to that, why, why, why don't we um, take it from like we'll break down like actual. Oh, you want to hear who did the parrot's voice? Okay, hold on. <laughs> you're, you're just like shit. Do you need another drink? Do you want a beer? Yeah, I want a beer. God. What question is that? Um, why don't we start with? Why don't we start with Susan, and then we'll work our way down through Doctor the rest of these. Susan McAllister. Did she strike you as a McAllister? McAllister, like an Australian name? I just think it's like a cool name. Let me see your phone right now. McAllister. Let's see. uh, The. uh, There's McAllister. McAllister. Dr. McAllister. Sir. Get it right. Name. Origin. Yeah, because what is her accent in this Healing. entire movie? I guess okay, so it's it's like Ireland or Scotland. Okay, she's but the the uh, the actress Saffron Burroughs is from London, from the UK. So I guess it's, it's not too far off. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctor Susan McAllister. How do uh, since we we've. we've uh, well, I'll let you, 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 you take the lead on this. I suppose you should be asking me how we feel about this character. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about this character? She's uh, trashed the entire movie, <laughs> in my opinion. There, so. is, there is nothing likable about No. Her. She's shit the entire movie. You're like, are you supposed to be, like, attractive? Are you supposed to be, like, the lead? Are you supposed to be likable? Are you supposed to be any of these things? Yeah. Uh, I don't okay, know. At what point do you hit the mark? In any category. None. You're just there to, like, annoy people. Even the brief scene that she has with Thomas Jane towards the beginning of the film at the party that's supposed to be her birthday party? Yeah, yeah, that's her birthday. Um, that's right. Uh, it's just... Again, zero chemistry. Yep. Um, I don't know what he sees in her. She's not... I mean, I guess she's the only piece of tail on the aquatica. Well, Janice is taken. Yeah, Janice is taken. Brenda, like every, everyone else the tower. goes off, goes off 
base on the weekend, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Brando works in the tower yeah, upstairs, yeah. so, bye. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta climb up her hair to be able to get to her. Yeah, she never leaves. No, um, <laughs> lives up there. Uh, and he's an ex-convict, so, you know, uh, take what you can get. But, yeah, I don't see, uh, I mean, do you blame audiences for... Oh, no. her dead? No, not even a little yeah. bit. I think halfway through the movie, had she had, like, that redemption moment like you were talking about, then, sure, yeah. sell it, then build their little chemistry afterwards, after she's had her moment, they can, she can repent, they can do their thing, Yes, she can kill the shark, Yeah, then they can go make out, after she's, you know, made good on her misdeeds. She just doesn't give a fuck the whole time. She's just like, I'm just going to take my wetsuit off, kill a shark once, because it's attacking me, lose my shit, all my research, and still be a little bitch. So, yeah, you're going to get fucking eaten. Sorry. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson fucking gets chomped when he's trying to save the world. You're definitely getting eaten. I don't have to tell you. What else we got? Oh, well, we can cover good old Carter Blake. He's up there. He's apparently uh, the hero here. So, 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 so sorry. I'm pretty sure that uh, you mean Frank Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I meant the Punisher <laughs> who wrangles sharks. Uh, As if they killed his family on an island. Mercilessly. You want to know a fun little tie-in really quick before mm. we dive in? So Do I? In The Punisher. Okay. Seen it. Thomas Jane's father. Right. Is played by no. none other than our boy, Roy Scheider, who is oh my God. police chief Martin Brody. Enjoy! Oh, oh, bring it right back around. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I didn't rewatch that movie. Oh, yeah, oh my buddy. god. Oh, yeah. Roy Scheider is his dad? Yeah. Damn. I mean, he's only in it for like the beginning, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But I do not remember that. Yeah, buddy. I know he's older, but still. Uh-huh. Damn. Before we, uh, again, before we go any further, what are your thoughts on, because there's no other place we're going to fit this in on this fucking podcast, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on, I do believe it is 2004, what are your thought, thoughts on 2004's Punisher? Oh, I liked it. I liked it too. I thought it was fucking uh, great. I liked it pretty great, actually. Is John Travolta in there? John Travolta. Let's go. Hamming it up, man. Oh, yeah. As a villain, he is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I like oh, that movie a lot. I man. think it's a great version yeah. of Punisher, and I like the new Punisher series. Yeah, with uh, well, um, what's his as name? far uh, as I'm concerned, um, John Bernthal mm-hmm. was born to play the Punisher. Yep, I agree, one hundred percent. He is perfect in that role. He's amazing. And that series is great. Um, it really is. But I like I fucking really like Thomas, Thomas Jane. Thomas Punisher. Jane kills it. He does as great, a man. Yeah. He is also a wonder, especially as like a one-hit movie as yeah. the Punisher, like yeah. origin story movie as the Punisher, kills it. Yeah, I agree. Like just being a gristled, fucking, depressed badass. Like he owns the car, he owns the role, 
the scene against like what is it the Russian guy like <laughs> in so his own apartment all so his great. hidden weapons and shit like he just takes a beating but he's like he just owns the role no he's great I loved him as a puncher I fucking yeah. that movie's fucking I love that I want to go watch I it I love again. that fucking fight scene with him yeah. and, oh, uh, so good and uh, it's a Russian guy right yeah, it's supposed to be a Russian guy isn't it so in his fucking blonde Russian striped red and white shirt <laughs> yeah so yeah, he's Russian as hell fucking cartoony <laughs> as fuck That's in good. a so like, hard like a R blonde movie, high top basically <laughs> it's amazing God, that's a good movie. Mm. Oh, the more we talk about it. Alright, this isn't the Jaws cast anymore. We're now going to watch the <laughs> Punisher. to the Johnny Punisher podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like it's an entirely different sort of thing. Yeah, that's what I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hit a new audience there. <laughs> or the same audience, hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. Um, <laughs> now, do you think that is as our boy uh carter 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 blake carter blake god carter blake what a fucking yeah, that's <laughs> who yeah who wrote that one trash name uh, uh, renny oh renny that's fine the coolest name ever uh carter blake you think his role as carter blake ended up getting being a being a, a good step towards the punisher do I think it's a good step towards being the Punisher? Like, do you think someone saw him in this role and was like, you know what? He could play Frank Castle. Maybe. I mean, in the Punisher, he doesn't have a whole lot of emotion other than just, like, deep-seated depression and anger. Yeah. And it seems to be his stick, you know? Yeah. In this movie, I mean, if this is what I was basing it off of, yeah. Like, all right. I feel like he's got just enough depth to play the Punisher. He could pull it off. A little bit of coaching. Solid fucking directing. Yeah. And, you know, pair him up next to John Travolta. He'll knock it out of the park. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, based off this, yeah, I think I would have cast him as Punisher. Yeah. I think so. I think they could, with better directing, he could have been killer in this movie. Now, elaborate on that for me a little bit. I think because the way they ran him through it, which apparently was the thing, you know, anyone could die at any moment. Yeah. I feel like, if anything, if we're going off that premise, they dumbed him down a little bit. Like, yeah. For his position, like, they gave him shit decisions, they gave him shit options, they put him as, like, the parolee, which is fine, but he could have, like, taken that and, like, overlapped it and just been, like kick ass right out the gate been like oh shit's happening i'm gonna handle it and yeah. just like led the charge especially after freaking jackson gets beaten in half yeah like that could have just been like all right i got this i'm taking the reins but he like stayed at this, this plateau still yeah it's just like all right dude like you're almost eaten so many times and like it's just on your own accord and like you're just kind of getting by you're not really like leading the charges like kind of suggesting the shots yeah so i don't know could have been better he I, could have had a harder hit i think i agree there, there's something about this character that never quite sells it for me mm -hmm. 
I think they want him to be an Alan Grant type of character. This, right. This like every stoic. man, this every man who's put in this insane yeah. position. But never once do I feel him really command a situation. Yeah. And I feel like this is something that I'll point out again in later entries. Yeah. But there is that moment in Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum lights his flare and he hops out of the car and is has the best of intentions to uh cover that in a different podcast (laughs) yes we will um (laughs) has the best of intentions to steer the t-rex away from the kids and grant and just does it in the worst way possible and there is that push that shot that push in on grant where he looks at ian and says Ian Freeze! And there's that line of Grant, who is this man who is aware of the situation, the extraordinary situation that he is in, something that he would never in a million years the day before thought he would ever be in. And he's commanding it. And he's handling, yeah. Now, you have this character of Carter who has been around these sharks for for a good period of time and is still since this prison sentence apparently just doesn't he, he just he's this strong person but he does feel like this this I don't know this feather yeah. in the wind just kind of yeah. blowing yeah. around and I mean I guess that is the direction that Rennie Harlan was pushing sure. this this you never know right. which of these characters is gonna be the hero but he never he does things, he does make decisions and stuff like that, but he never feels like he steps up and is really the one to, to you know, for lack of a better word, save the day. And I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's cool, because maybe it's it's cool to have everyone like, as a unit just either leaves rise or fall yeah. on each other. Right. Again, this is More a very of like a survival movie than anything. It's a very unique movie in that premise in yeah. in that sense that there's no real hero. Yeah. There really isn't. No. So and I mean, if anything I mean preacher saves the fucking day. Yeah, I mean if anything, <laughs> this is like a real scenario for yeah. what what humans would look like in yeah. this, this situation. Yeah. I, so I think if they if they wanted to lean more on him, which they could have, like you said, they they could have made him more of of a, of a Doctor Grant type role. Like he had the shark knowledge, obviously. Yeah. Like the only scene they really tap into is like when the shark's asleep. He's like, oh, she's sleeping. Like that's like the only time he like yeah. knows more than anyone else. Yeah, because of his like shark intuition. Yeah. But it would have been super cool had they like tagged that in later and be like, no. They're hunting us. Like, I know what they're doing type of thing. Because I, I know them. Yes. Would have been super cool. Rather than, like, yes. arguing about what are they doing. We don't know. Like, it would have been cool to have his, like, intuition involved. Yes. That would have put that, like, deep-seated, I know the monster even though, like, we've never been around it type of Dr. Rant type of thing. 
I would have been super cool. Yeah. Would have been rad. Yeah. It would have just been another call to Jurassic Park and a little rip-offs and whatever, but it would have still put some umph behind him Absolutely. as a character. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they fell short on him, which was a bummer. Yeah. Especially since he's, you know, one of the survivors. Like, they knew he was going to survive. Like, you know, give him a little bit more. Yeah. Just a little. Didn't even need to be a lot. But, man, just a little bit more. Because, man, he just looks like such a bitch. Like, the whole movie. Like, God, you're supposed to be super cool. But, man, like, every chance I think you're going to be cool, you're not. One of the things that that always, like, stuck out to me as a kid when I watched this movie, because I think I told you, like, mm-hmm. as a youngster, as, like, a, a young teenager, when I first got my hands on this movie, I watched it a lot. I watched it so much. Yeah. Because I'm, like, quoting this movie, and I have not <laughs> seen it in years, man. Yeah, you're hitting lines early. Um, is every time there's, like, a water, like, burst. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Thomas Jane's character is seen, like, flailing around he's getting pushed like everyone else is running and thomas jane is like just like sliding through the water hanging onto a railing somewhere he's just getting pushed around i'm like this is not the way you want to show like your your main guy who's supposed to be at ease on the water just getting blown over (laughs) by waves who lives underwater you're the only one who's been in a wetsuit since the beginning of the movie life is less complicated underwater um (laughs) <laughs> but yeah I, we should probably move on to our next character <laughs> alright well next up is Samuel L. Jackson Russell Franklin I know you got a lot to say about this guy so go ahead and talk to me about him uh, it's his backstory that bothered me the fact that like their whole opening scene thing you know he's at the firm or whatever that's you know funding this whole thing and then you know he's on the plane to go out there cause he's can like, I pause really quick and please. just like what is his position in this? Because he's standing behind the guy yeah. who is sitting in the chair. At the desk. And does the guy in the chair ever say anything? Maybe. Maybe he says one thing right out the gate. But like, why then... isn't it just him in the chair? Yes! Like, why isn't it just Samuel what, Jackson's what office? What is Samuel Jackson, like, doing, like, like fucking, like... He's, like, leaning on the bookshelf behind yeah, it's the bald white guy or whoever awkward, there. Such an awkward dynamic. Well, why should we give you our money? <laughs> oh, no. Don't do that. <laughs> McAllister is like, uh, whose money? <laughs> I'll take anyone's. Yeah. But... I've got some fucked up sharks out there, all right? I just don't want to set them loose. So <laughs> if I don't have to kill them, that'd be tight. But you guys are really putting me in a bind here. If I don't have to kill them, that'd be tight. <laughs> another test tomorrow you have till tomorrow <laughs> i'm coming with you all right and then on their like plane right out there she's like i read about you I read about uh, the alps and he's like the himalayas oh reverse that oh was i did i have that wrong yeah she she had she said the himalayas he said the alps <laughs> you're welcome aren't there like <laughs> himalayan alps or there might I be wrong? or maybe or maybe it's like the himalayas and then he's like yeah Alps. Maybe that's what that was supposed to be. I don't know. It's fucking stupid. I don't know shit. Either way, apparently he was caught in an avalanche. Yeah. Seven people survived the avalanche, but only five got out. And they swore they would say that the two died to thank. Am 
that's all they talk about. And then he gets eaten by a shark. So, so is this like the what about that backstory bothers you? What bothers me is I want to know if they ate them or not. It's a weird <laughs> callback <laughs> to the plane crash, which I think was in the Alps, where they resorted to cannibalism. Yeah. And I want to know what happened and why he's so weird about it. Because they make they really lean into the fact that he might have eaten somebody. I want to know if Russell Franklin ate someone. Um, I would bet on it. From what I gather, there was like there was tension between uh uh. And someone got killed. And Maybe then, they didn't eat them. That's but, true. He does lean into like that's why we're not fighting. Um, what I think is that yes, they eventually did eat them, but I think they fucking killed them first. Well, so. I would fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's weird, and it bothers me. It's. One of, if not the only reason, I'm not upset he gets eaten. Because it's like right after that. He was like, alright, and now I'm commanding this as a cannibal. And then he gets eaten. I'm like, eh, well. Tomato, potato, pal. I don't know what to tell you. What, uh, again, you know, like, is it just because there's there's a question that you don't know? Yeah, and it bothers. It's a big question. Did he or did he not eat people in the Alps or Himalayas? I don't give a shit what mountain he had an avalanche issue in. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, he ate people. Oh, definitive. Yeah, I'm going to... Final I'm, answer. I'm going to put money on it. Wow. Yes, they killed him and then they ate them because... What are you referencing now? It's just... Um... Well, um, again, if you're going to kill someone and you're stuck on a fucking mountain, why would you not eat them? I mean, I'd rather not, but... Yeah, but if you're starving... Yeah, I mean, do what you want to do. Out there. Yeah, food. I hear something. people taste delicious. That's Ugh. just what I've been told. Okay. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> By people who promised me they weren't cannibals. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Me. So, uh, how do you feel about the, the that character overall? Backstory, um... Oh, we're excluding that part? Backstory excluded. Alright, I mean... They gave him a little bit of heft. You know, he's obviously the biggest name. He is, and I would say that... Which um, I would say by a landslide. Uh, but, uh... Hold on, let me see here. It says... The scene where Franklin gets eaten was included to subvert expectations, but it could also be because the sharks clearly have been observing human behavior. Even if they can't understand human speech, they figured out that people could cause the station to stink and how to hurt them around, so they had... Oh, it's just some fucking jackass person writing on IMDb. I apologize, folks. Didn't mean to interrupt. Nonsense. He ate people. He got eaten. He's a... Cycle of life. There it is. I, I don't know of any Kick other rocks. way that I could say it. Yeah. Kick rocks, hit the bricks. He was a weak cast. I don't know. He was a weak cast? Yeah. I mean, he didn't Sam really fucking Sam Jackson do... was a he weak cast? He didn't fucking cast. do anything. He was a great 
great cast. I mean, yeah, to get people to go to the fucking movies. Yes, sure. That's what you do. That's I guess. Why you cast people. Yeah, sure. And then fucking kill them off after they confess to eating people. <laughs> and, you know, move on with the story and see if anyone else gets eaten. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Next character. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so glad, you know. It all came to a good conclusion. Boom! Janice Higgins. A.K.A. Jan. A.K.A. Gets eaten by her garage. I think is how you referenced her a handful um, of times. <laughs> can I just up. go ahead and... I'll, I'll take point on this one. Yeah, no, please. Um, by all means. I hate her. Oh. I hate her so much. All right, well, She's the most annoying character in the she show. She really is. She... I think I looked at you at one point <laughs> after she delivered a bit of dialogue and screamed, who is she fucking to get in this film? Yeah, you did say that. Because her acting is leaps and bounds so much more terrible than everyone else's in this film. And it's painful. make no mistake, folks. The horrible acting is firing on all cylinders in this movie. Like a flathead V8. And this... <laughs> well played, sir. Uh, I wish Russell Franklin had uh, that line, but whatever. And this broad manages to just bury any fucking resemblance of what it means to be a normal human being in yeah. any given situation. It's painful. It's gross. Yeah. It's no idea trash. what Skarsgård sees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, apparently they're not together. I mean, not married at least. Or maybe she just didn't yeah, take a last he's, name. He's, he's, she's Janice Higgins. He's Jim Whitlock. He's just boning her while he's on the station. And then when he gets out, after he's done with his research, he's going to go back home to his wife and kids. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, Hence the cigarettes, apparently. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, I I don't know what else I could say about this character, except that she's awful. I will admit that her yeah. death is... It's not... I don't enjoy watching her die, because she is just That's such rough. a... A pathetic character. Yes, that's that a good way to put it. You, when you watch her, you're just like, God. Very pathetic. And her death is... Her death feels more real than any other characters because yeah. it actually is taking place and it is not CGI. Yeah, that's also true. Um, Although you know it's coming. They're stuck in that tube, like yeah. basically an elevator shaft practically. Yeah, and but I mean, the you know it's coming adds to the dread yeah. of like, oh, God, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, whiny like, little broad beg for her death. I kind of wish deal. it was CGI. Yeah, that would have been over like that. You're like, kind of wish Samuel Jackson had a better like, yeah, that would that real been... death, and she got the CGI kill. Well, if you want a real uh, solid horrible Sam Jackson death, go watch episode three of Star Wars, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and you can just feel shitty for the rest of the listen, day. Listen, no one's confirmed. Pet Mace Windu is dead. <laughs> Mace Windu. There's some controversy <laughs> out there. Fuck off, man. <laughs> that he had bastard. the force. He could have survived the fall. One-handed or not, you don't know. 
I mean, Anakin did, like, jump from, like, <laughs> speeder to speeder in episode two and, like, land and catch Listen, one, this is, one arm. This so. is what I'm saying. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> if Mace Windu is dead or not. Fucking Mandalorian season three, episode five. Mace Windu is going to show up. Call it! Call, you heard it here. I would fucking piss myself. I'm going to be at home. I'll come home late from a hockey Son game. Son of a bitch. And I'm going to watch it. And I'm just going to fucking punch my computer screen. It's going to be 12 fuck! o'clock in the morning. You know, like, be eating McDonald's yeah. and, like, spit it out. And, like, oh, go, like, jump Kelsey's on the gonna bed. Be I picture you still in pads and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey's gonna be pissed cause I'm gonna lose my shit I'm gonna fucking lose it fucking heads are gonna roll but I'll also be very excited I, I have hope I have hope uh, this this right here might be my favorite moment of anything that we've done so far on this podcast. <laughs> hey, and Qui-Gon came back and reprised his role, even if he was a Force ghost, so... Well, the I'm not way saying it can't happen. Qui-Gon got stabbed in the stomach and died, but, you know, fucking the uh, Inquisitors can get stabbed in That's the stomach. That's what I'm saying. No problem. There's a lot of controversy out there. <laughs> A lot of controversy. Moving on. <laughs> Welcome to the Johnny Windu podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're just here to debunk Star Wars controversy. Bring them on. Oh, God. Put them in the comments. I'll answer all of them. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not afraid. Uh. <laughs> Next up is Michael Rappaport. A.K.A. Tom Scoggins. I like I like right. his name being Tom Scoggins. That sounds good. Tom Scoggins sounds yeah. good. Sounds a lot better than Janice Higgins, Russell Franklin, Dr. Carter Susan McAllister, Carter Blake. Tom Scoggins. Tommy Scoggs. Scoggs. Uh, R.I.P. Scoggs. How do you feel about this character? I liked him. I, I think like he fit the role actually pretty well. Yeah. Coming from... You know, his police work in Friends when he dated Phoebe. A little bit of a, you know, downtread. But, uh, no, I liked him in this role, actually. Because he fits the, like, kind of nerdy, scared, geeky role. He, he, can, he can fill those shoes pretty well, I think. I think the thing about him, I don't like the character so much as I like Michael Rappaport. Like, yeah. I like that actor okay so much and i enjoy him in in so much of the things that he, he has a natural like likability yes he um, does well-rounded dude the character itself my my issues with the character of scoggins do not come with the performance so much as they come with the writing i just feel like he's, okay he's shortchanged. he's not given enough time to True. kind of, you know, I agree with bloom that. and blossom. He seems like the most empathetic mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. in this film. The person that is genuinely the kindest and most friendly. But right. 
he's always put in a position where he's just kind of whining and complaining almost. True, yeah. Um, but then you have these brief moments where he's he's very friendly and kind with Carter and this there's this weird yep. backstory that we don't really get a whole lot of with him and Preach. Yeah. Um, they seem to be really good him buddies. Him and Preacher were homies. You don't really get, like, you see that briefly, but you don't understand why, because they don't have any scenes together besides yeah. the the scene where they, you know, kind of, like, give each other a hug. Well, it would have been fucking cool. All those stupid-ass scenes with Preacher and the stupid parrot. Yes. Would have been so rad had I set it up where, you know, Preacher's the lone chef. He's down on his own, like, sub-basement floor doing his own thing, cooking. And freaking Scoggs goes down there and is just, like, chilling, eating his food, snacking, chatting with him. And they're like, yes. bros. One yes. scene. Take the fucking parrot out of yep. it. Make them be, like, homies for a little bit. And him be like, oh, shit. Oh, I gotta go check the fucking monitor. Sorry, I gotta go. I gotta go. And they're like, homies. Have a secret handshake. Yeah. He dips out. Bros. Totally. It would have made so much sense then down the road when he's like, hey, we're going to go fix this thing. We're going underwater. They do the little handshake hug when he leaves. And then when he doesn't come back, he's like heartbroken. Yeah. Like grabs his little cross. Like, would have been killer. Would have been fucking awesome. And that is one of the scenes that we talked about that after Scoggins dies is that there is a really good beat Mm -hmm. between Carter and Preach where Preach helps. Carter up, and he asks him about Scoggs, and Carter just, like, like, puts his hand out, like, grabs his hand, and then Preach puts his hand on top of Carter's hand, and then Carter puts his hand on top of Preach's hand, yeah. and it's this, like, beat, and I looked at you, and I told moment. you, I was like, I was like Ooh. in a better movie, yep. that scene would have sold it, man. Yeah, it is killed. It is a good beat between, like, we just lost our buddy. Yep. And again, the reason that that scene works as well as it does, even if it doesn't work as good as it can, yeah, is because the acting of Michael Rappaport sells that character to be likable yep. enough. You yep. know, again, I would say at the end of the day. His character has done it in injustice just yes. based on the writing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, he yeah. could have been he really could have been the 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 MVP yep. of this movie if he his his uh, character had been developed a little bit better yeah. and not been put in this position of kind of like the whiny yeah. crying. Yeah, the way they had wrote, like, wrote in his knowledge of, like, Aquatica and everything, like, he could have been right up there with Preacher as far as, like, you know, like, ability, role, would have been really cool yeah. to have the two of them with, like, bailing out Carter and whatnot, would have been dope, would have given him a little bit of um since they didn't give his role fucking shit either, yeah, that would have been cool. Well, next up, your boy, Jim Whitlock. Uh... What a what a fucking sexy piece of ass he is. <laughs> I don't know if I was a girl and I was looking to get, you know, banged by a, a scientist, okay, a marine biologist. Yeah, if you really had to pick one, yeah, might as well pick one who licks the ends of its cigarettes before he lights them. 
<laughs> ceremonially. Uh, he, yeah. I mean, how do you feel about him? Like, what's your thoughts? I, I, I feel I, like I everyone already knows how I feel about him. <laughs> no, I loved him too. He was fucking great. Uh, I just like how little they put into it, and how much he really just like took it and ran. Like, it seemed in the movie they were just like, yeah, dude, like you, you know, you're a scientist, whatever. You're like, oh, all right, like you know, these are your lines. You're, you're kind of here for. You know, you're going to be the person who gets eaten, and you break the glass. Yeah. And he was like, all right, well, in this scene, I'm going to pull out a cigarette. And they're like, all right, yeah, no, I can see that. That could, that could work, you know, a little. That could add a little bit to your character. You're nothing anyways. It's fine. He's like, I'm going to lick it. <laughs> like, what? I don't worry about it. Roll. Roll film. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, scroll it. And he just fucking, like, pulls out a cigarette and licks it. Looks at his fucking mistress, puts the filter in his mouth. She's like, "That's why she gave that look." Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and they're like, "Well, keep it, keep rolling, that's, keep rolling." That's what it is. Is that that man is such a fucking sex machine that the minute he licked that cigarette, she like opened up her mouth. It's like, my God. <gasps> feed me, daddy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Control himself, apparently. <laughs> uh, and even after that, like he gets his little like one-liner digs in there. Yeah. But they're so like gristled and just like, man, yeah. I know my shit, and I do what I do with the sharks. <laughs> and everyone's just like, fuck yeah, right? Okay. Everyone else is having a conversation, but sure, yeah, no, whatever you got to put into it, yeah, right on. Fucking Susan, at one point, when she's talking to Jan, she like she's trying to console Jan. She's like, Jan, he was my best friend. And I'm like, what the fuck does that friendship look like between the two of you assholes? Yeah. God. He was fucking Susan, too, right? Yeah, yeah. most definitely. 100%. Uh, wasn't the only thing she was taking protein out of. Free show, thank you. Um, uh, you know, here's what I here's my question that I lay it on about. me about. 
Do you buy LL Cool J as a chef? <laughs> nope. Do you buy LL Cool J as a preacher? <laughs> Only with that like eight inch crossy wrist around his neck. <laughs> I so, <don't>, no. <laughs> I don't buy him as either one of those nope. things. So he seems very out of place. But again, he's just so charming. His one-liners, yep. he's pretty much the only one who manages to sell almost all of his one-liners. Fucking sushi being excluded. Um, <laughs> Bring me some sushi. <laughs> there, there are some great bits. Like, I love him in the oven. Like, yeah, it is a great scene. I, I, I love the irony, Lord. Cook yeah. dies in his own oven. <laughs> like, love that line. Um, that was a good scene. I actually really like that scene. The way he cuts his way into the top oven. And then yeah. uses it basically as a diving board over the shark. Yeah. Beautiful. That's, that's a pretty cool scene. I love his recording of his, his you know, oh, last yeah. will and testament. I think it's great. It's sold awesome. so well. The, the seriousness. And yep. then... The cheese of like, you know, this this is my life, this is what I've done, and what do I have to leave behind? We will begin with the perfect omelet, and he just dives right Two on. eggs, not three. Most chefs add milk for density. That's a mistake. This is a mistake. <laughs> that, that line of this is a mistake is arguably what... Makes me love this character so much. There's, there's. That's the last part a, we hear in his little adjustment. Yeah, yeah. Fucking fantastic. Perfect. Perfectly edited. Perfectly mm-hmm. delivered. I love that line. Oh, Every great. time I make eggs in the morning and I add <laughs> milk to my eggs, I think about that fucking line. I shit you not. This is a it, it stuck with me after all these years. God, that's I, amazing. I think it's perfect. I think he's just so much fun. And I'm very, very glad that they decided to have him live because yeah. I, I just... Had they killed him off the movie, it would have just flopped hard. I know that we talked about like how weird it was to have like two just like... Dudes. Dudes chilling there when, you know, and again, happy yep. ending where the gal just got killed. Yup. And they're both pretty chill about that. Alright, all right, man. Yeah, you know. Um, Sharks, right? But I... Again, would have been more bummed to see Preacher die yeah. than than Carter. You yep. know, so it's it's cool to have oh, yeah. both of them just chilling there. You know, swapping lines, even if you know Carter had a thing for for Susan and yeah. she just got Oops. obliterated. It is. I mean, for all you know, intents and purposes, it is the best, I guess, ending for what it could have been. Sure. I like the way they both just like, uh, like Flop down lay down. down. I'm like, I, you know, if that's Lord, how it's gonna end. Back to the ghetto. <laughs> that's right. Amen. Amen. Good lord. All right, maybe I don't. <laughs> it's dated. Mm. And not dated well, one might say. Yeah, it's not aged well. Okay. Well, what do we got? We got a couple of stragglers. Only a couple of stragglers. Brenda Kearns. And runs the tower. Oh, uh, yeah. So she's up there. For, for those of you who are, uh, um, oh god, what, why uh, Sopranos fans? 
she plays uh, Tony Soprano's sister, and mm. she's fucking fantastic in the show. Completely wasted in this movie, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Um, she gets zero close-ups. Yeah. I mean, maybe a couple, but they're all, like, at the monitor or Does whatever. Does she make it down to the party? She's down there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's down, down, down at the party. Like they, only time they she's almost, out of the like, tower. They almost keep her locked up in the cage. Yeah. Um, That's right. Great character actress. Uh, again, feel like she's completely wasted in this, but yeah. Other than that, she just gets blown up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it. Uh, you know, there's boy one, girl one, boy two, girl two. They're all in the catamaran. How much better would the opening have been if someone from that crew got eaten? Yeah, so yeah. much better. Yeah, it literally no one gets eaten, and the shark gets harpooned. Yeah. By Carter Blake. Carter Blake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a tiger shark, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. If Maybe not. Right. Maybe it's one of the uh, I think guys. it's one of the other ones. They, they said it was one yeah, of the other ones. Yeah, it's number three or something. Also, how have we not been saying Carter Blake like that this whole Carter time? Blake. Carter Blake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, follow up. Uh, straggler. Frank Welker. Probably one of your favorites. Parrot sounds. Uh, that is uh, what I would say is the MVP of the whole film, right there. <laughs> oh, we made a lot of money. I really do. Oh, here's your boy, Ronnie Cox, executive, <laughs> Franklin's boss. In parentheses, uncredited. So he is Franklin's boss. I don't even understand it. Don't even understand. don't. Okay, uh, you know this is a rabbit hole. Franklin's I don't want to go down. Let's uh, jump on over to music. Yeah, uh, you pulled up. My computer died, so you're up. You got this. I faith in you. Um, all right. So the oh wait, I got it. You're good. You got it. Yeah. The film score for Deep Blue Sea was composed by Trevor Rabin. Am I saying that right? Rabin? Yeah. Rabin? That was good. Rabin's music ranges from orchestral... Orchestral... Am I saying that right? Orchestral. Yeah. yeah. Orchestral and choral arrangements to electronic soundscapes. It was noted for its use of both dramatic and easily accessible themes. The soundtrack features two songs by LL Cool J, Deepest, Bluest, Shark spin, and say what? Which were used in the end credits? Two soundtrack albums were also released for the film. The first album, Deep Blue Sea, music from the Ocean Picture, was released on August third, nineteen ninety nine, by Warner Bros. Records, and features a set of hip hop and R and B tracks by several artists, including High C, Cormega, and Bass Odyssey. The second album, Deep Blue Sea, original motion picture score, was released on August 24th, 1999 by Veresi Sarabande and contains musical tracks by Robin. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think we've already touched on uh, both of our feelings about the the music and... I mean, the the score, I think, was cool. (laughs) The music... Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Credits and everything. Yikes. Yeah. The, uh, I don't know. I, I can't speak to 90s hip-hop, but I, I just, it 
I'm just wanting to hear that. It's not for me. I will just say that. I'm sure that there's there's a lot of people who dug it. Maybe and and obviously still dig it, but um I gosh, most of the music from the late 90s to the mid 2000s is a bit is a bit rough for me. So all I want to hear you say is that I'm going to have LL Cool J's deepest, bluest shark fin on repeat for the next week. I am not <laughs> going to have LL Cool J's deepest, bluest in shark brackets shark. shark's fin Here it is. playing on repeat for the next <laughs> two weeks. Um, You're missing out. If you haven't heard it yet. Look that shit up. Yeah, look at it. Look at it. You know what? Fuck it. We'll put it in the description. Plug that we'll, shit. We will put it in the description. Plug you guys that can listen to shit. it as you're wrapping up this uh, this episode because we're gonna wrap this episode right up right now. It. You're gonna love it because not only is uh, is it time for this episode to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just getting started. <laughs> Man. But uh, I also have to pee, <laughs> and uh, you know I I don't know how much more we have to say about about all this business. So thanks for tuning in. If uh, if you haven't watched it yet, goddamn. Yeah, I mean if you haven't watched Get it, you'll see. Like, on it, we have spoiled the entire film for you. Also that, yeah. Uh, no surprises now. So dive on in. There it is. There it is again. We're going to dive on in. Coming in for our next episode, our, our third and last episode on Deep Blue Sea, we are going to be talking about the box office uh, the box office receipts, the critical reception, and we're going to go ahead and give our final thoughts on the film and include our, uh, our, our awards. Oh, I forgot about the awards. I think we should have done Ooh. our awards with our characters, but you know what? We'll uh, go ahead and tack our uh, our right. awards on 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 the end there. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Oh yeah. <clears throat> uh, I have been your host, Brian the Bitch Boy Calvert, okay. and with me is my co-host. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Putting you on the spot there, aren't I? <laughs> Johnny Q. Maresca. Uh, it doesn't really translate to you guys, but... It doesn't matter. That upsets me a lot. <laughs> Alright. Have a good night, motherfuckers. We'll see you soon. <laughs>